Hello, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Welcome to episode number six of the Anno Domini podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to the supremacy of Christ over all things, including our days, weeks, and months. Join me as we explore how Christ is revealed through the cyclical life of the church calendar year. We'll discover how this calendar once structured culture and how it can. We'll also discuss practical ways to observe and celebrate these holy days in our quest to glorify God and live the good life in the midst of all the good He has given us. Welcome back again, friends. I hope you have all had a restful day full of feasting, family, and fantastic merrymaking. I began the show by wishing everyone a very Merry Christmas. Those are words that have been fought over for several years now, maybe over a decade, maybe decades. It can be considered a political statement in the clown world we now live in merely to wish someone a Merry Christmas. Christians often think, What's the big deal? We just want to say Merry Christmas. Why do you guys have to make a big deal out of everything? But I believe that as the Lord told us, the sons of the world are often more shrewd than those of us in the light. You see, the world, they understand the meaning of Christmas sometimes better than we do. And when they come to this understanding, and when they understand the real meaning of Christmas, they'll mutter under their breath along with Gollum, we hate it. You see, Christmas stands for the total invasion of the world of sin and darkness by the King of Glory. This means that idols will fall, strongholds will be torn down, and the powers of this age will carry their power no longer because Jesus has come and He comes to make all things new. When we wish someone a Merry Christmas, we are not just wishing them happiness. In our vernacular now, Merry means happy or cheerful, and so it should. However, a man I admire, uh, I admire greatly, his name is George Grant. He shared with me, and along with other people on Facebook, something quite insightful regarding that word, Merry. Quote from him, quote, The word Merry is from an old Anglo-Saxon word which literally means valiant, illustrious, great, or gallant. Thus, to be merry is not merely to be mirthful, but to be mighty. In Shakespeare, we read of fiercely courageous soldiers who are called merry men. Strong winds are merry gales. Fine days are marked by merry weather. So when we say Merry Christmas, we are really exhorting one another to take heart and stand fast. And so, dear listener, we note that to say Merry Christmas is nothing short than to wish the hearer to be consumed by the love of Christ and that all his or her idols, strongholds, and towers of trust would be torn down by the invasion of God into the world, the incarnation of God in the flesh. That is what we mean when we say Merry Christmas.
That was, of course, Handel's Messiah, part one for Unto Us a Child is Born. If you haven't gone and listened to that particular song, it is absolutely fantastic. I, I, del- I downloaded that from a YouTube video of um, incredible choir singing that song. And I like it. I've heard various versions of it. I like that particular one because it's they sing it fast. And I, I generally like hearing those kinds of songs be sung fast because they are they seem to be meant to be more like battle songs than serenades. But Christmas is now here. Merry Christmas. Advent is over and Christmas time has begun. Today marks the first day of Christmas. And there are, as the song tells us, 12 days of Christmas. And at the end of these 12 days of Christmas comes Epiphany. Christ will be revealed to the world through Epiphany, at least as the church calendar reckons it. Uh, And, you know, just as a reminder to my listeners that there are no holy days that Christians are bound to, save the weekly Lord's Day itself. All of this, the Christmas, Christmas time, Epiphany, Advent, all of this is just extra goodies on top of the weekly rest that Christ has given us. These days that we're talking about and learning about and celebrating, these days of feasting and celebration and reflection, they're here to strengthen our walk with God, not bind up burdens upon our backs. So as we explore the practical, the biblical, the historical, and the musical reasons for these days, remember that God created a world filled with good things because he is the best kind of extravagant in his love. He could have given us a world in which everything was efficient, practical, and economical, a world with bland porridge three meals a day and room temperature weather. Instead, we live in a world filled with beef brisket, oratorios by handle, freshly cut fur, hurricanes and tornadoes, and yes, even Christmas lights. Celebrate with me over the coming days the extravagant goodness of God. On a practical note, this has been a Christmas of lots and lots of hustle and bustle. This morning was Christmas morning, of course, and I sat down before we opened stockings with the kids, and we read through a devotional that I thought was very poignant, and the author, I actually don't remember his name, of the devotional was mentioning the fact that we oftentimes get so into all of the busyness of the season that we forget that the reason that all of this is happening is because Christ came to save sinners. Yes, he came as a baby, and we celebrate that, and he lived the perfect life, and he died the perfect death, and he rose again, and we celebrate that, but all of that was to accomplish something. That accomplishment was to save sinners. We talk about Jesus being the reason for the season, and it's, of course, true, but it's not just Jesus. It's not just a baby. It's that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So how does that tie into practical Christian living? Well, This may be a bit of a stretch, but here's how I see it connect. Jesus came to the earth so that he could save me. I've been saved from my sin because that was the the goal Jesus set out to accomplish. Because I've been saved, I've been set free from something, from the slavery to sin. 
Since I've been set free from the slavery to sin, I have been set free to something. I've been set free to live a life full of obedience to Christ. And that obedience shows up in everyday living. So, for example, last night I posted the podcast at midnight. It uh, literally posted it like at 11.57 p.m. And the reason why was because we were gone all day on Christmas Eve. We were gone. We did an actual almost a seven-hour drive yesterday at the, at the spur of a moment. We decided at the spur of the moment to go out to a place called Trout Lake, Washington, where we met another Christian family, uh, another Christian family with a large family, um, and we bought a dog from them. It was a Great Pyrenees Livestock Guardian dog. And the amazing thing about this uh, trip was that we drove for three hours out to this remote, out in the boonies, uh, farm, and we met a man by the name of Jesse, who is a Christian. He's a lover of Jesus. And he basically walked away from his Christmas Eve dinner so that he could sell us this dog that he's been wanting to sell. And the reason why what Jesus did matters is because Jesse and myself have an instant connection. We have an instant friendship, an instant bond that comes about because we serve a risen Savior who has come about, who has come to this earth to save people like myself, save people like my father, my son, and the stranger who until yesterday I didn't even know, Jesse. So from a practical standpoint, every single person that you run into, everyone You have a connection to them, whether it's a connection through Christian brotherhood or a connection through the image-bearing nature that all men and all women carry. We are born and we are made in the image of God. And for those of us who have been chosen by God, we also belong to Jesus. And so Jesus came to seek sinners. And so we can live a life that is abundant and that is free from the hopelessness that consumes the world today. We live in a world that is filled to the brim of people without hope. They're without faith, they're without hope, and they're without love. And only Jesus coming into the world as a baby, living a perfect life, dying a perfect death, with the sole goal of saving sinners can change that. Today we're going to combine the biblical with the historic. And the reason for this is that Christmas Eve and Christmas Day all fall under one heading. It's The heading is the, the nativity of our Lord. That's the heading. And during this time, there are three celebrations or services that were normally held over this 24-hour period. There would be a short service on Christmas Eve Day, then came the Christmas midnight service. If you're Catholic, it was the, the midnight mass. Um, and for the rest of us, it was the midnight service, where parishioners would gather at church at midnight to celebrate the arrival of Christ. And that was due to the traditionally held belief or view, not just tradition, but uh, the traditionally held view that Christ was born at midnight. And, and if true, then a midnight service would be appropriate. It'd be an appropriate form of homage as it does take real sacrifice to go to church at midnight. I mean, imagine keeping the kids quiet during church at midnight. It's hard to, hard to imagine, actually. Uh, then there would be a church service to go to on the Christmas morning as well. So kind of three right in a row. 
much of this is lost to us as Protestants, uh, because a lot of us as Protestant churches, we don't even do a Christmas Eve service. We're not even meeting once. Uh, if like this, like this year, Christmas Eve was on a Tuesday, Christmas Day was on a Wednesday. There was a lot of churches didn't even hold a Christmas Eve service, let alone one at midnight or, or, or one on Christmas morning. In fact, it's not even uncommon for churches to cancel the Lord's Day worship service if Christmas should happen to come on a Sunday. I mean, that really is quite unbelievable. And, and that's not just, that's not hearsay. I've actually experienced, I've been in churches where they've either canceled church on Sunday because that was Christmas, or they've at least debated canceling church on Sunday because it was Christmas. I mean, it's crazy to think that not too long ago, most people would go or at least have the option to go to church three times in a 24-hour period. In all of this, really, I mean, if, if we bring it all back, this is all for the benefit of the parishioner and, and of course, for the people who are doing the service, but it's, it's a benefit for us because we would be actively having our minds transformed and renewed instead of conformed to the world. So, so, you know, the kind of thinking that says, well, Christmas is on Sunday morning, and so maybe we'll cancel church. That's the kind of thinking that is clearly conformed to the pattern of the world. And we're not to do that. We're not to have our minds conform to the pattern of the world. Anyway, all that to say, as far as choosing a biblical passage from the lectionary to talk about today, uh, all of these services, these three services, means that there's 12 different passages to choose from. And I won't read them all. I won't read them all, uh, or even or even the, uh, the, the addresses or the locations in the Bible. But check out episode two for a download link to the lectionary I'm pulling from and to get caught up on what a lectionary is, if you'd like to know. But the passage I will discuss will be from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Now, I will remind you that this is the very word of God, and let's read it together. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The natural state of man is darkness. I think that can be pretty easily agreed upon amongst Christians. Our natural state is darkness. It's just like entropy. Just like entropy is constantly breaking things down into chaos, so darkness is the natural state of everything. Not just everyone, but everything without the intervention of um, or act of an outside force. In the beginning, there was darkness until God spoke forth light. In this passage, there is a group of people, those who inhabit planet Earth, all of us. These people, 
us, without the intervention of an outside force, in this case, God, will continue to walk in darkness, deep darkness, in fact. But the promised Messiah would send light. These people wouldn't make the light, they wouldn't choose the light, and they wouldn't will the light. It would be given to them. It would shine on them. It would be a gift. And as the first chapter of the Gospel of John tells us, the darkness would never again overcome the light. The result of the light shining on the nations is wonderful. It's increased joy and rejoicing for many reasons, but the one we're told here is because the yoke of oppression has now been broken. In fact, all the warfare consuming the world, ruling the world, in fact, would be broken with the birth of a child, a son given to the world to save the world. So Jesus is a gift to us to save us. And this was no spiritual leader only, although he, of course, was a spiritual leader, but he was not only a spiritual leader. He would command the governments of these nations blessed by his coming. All these nations are being blessed. All the nations are increasing in joy and rejoicing because he is the king, not because he's giving them sage advice and they're doing their own thing, but because he is commanding the governments. These nations would submit to him, or as our other lectionary passage that I didn't read, Psalm 2 tells us, he, Jesus, would break them with a rod of iron, just like a rod of iron can break clay pots. Jesus is the stone on which you can fall and be broken and be remade, or he can fall on you and you will be crushed. This child would be given many wonderful names. He was a counselor, the best of counselors. He was God incarnate. He and the Father were one. And though he is a conquering king, and though he will break rebellious nations with a rod of iron, he is also the Prince of Peace. Finally, when the child comes, it would be the beginning of the end of the curse. And the increase of government, his rule, his dominion, and therefore his peace would have no end, as he was also peace incarnate. This would be true for the kingdom of David, also known as Israel, who we now know, thanks to the New Testament, is anyone who has, quote, been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. That's Ephesians 2. I think it's helpful to notice something here. This is a pretty epic promise. It's a huge promise. It's an incredibly well-known passage today because it's clear to us that Christ is the promised one. But in the time leading up to this event, nobody was paying attention. No one was watching Joseph's house to see if he would produce any sons that might show some promise. No one was keeping tabs on Mary or Mary's family to examine or inspect their progeny. Even in Bethlehem, where this prophecy was said to take place, people were completely ignoring the fact that the coming Messiah could be on their doorstep. I mean, really, think about it. If they would have known that the Messiah was on their doorstep, how many of those innkeepers would have refused Joseph and his wife, who was clearly in labor. But you see, there was no sign of anything happening. And it was just like in the days of Noah. It tells us in scripture that they were eating and drinking and everything seemed swell. And then it started to rain. It was just like this in Bethlehem. 
It was very small and very quiet, just the way God works, a still, small voice. However, something big was about to happen in a small baby. We have a well-known hymn today. It really needs no, uh, no introduction, and I can't tell you much about it, uh, about it or its history, because no one really knows its history very well. No one knows who wrote it. Uh, it's just been a traditional song that has been passed along. Uh, the song is, of course, called The First Noel. And Noel means Christmas or Christmas season in French. And the tune, I've changed the tune, uh, and I've slightly rearranged the song, uh, which you're welcome to listen at any time, um, to that song and the whole album, uh, from, uh, which is also called Advent. Uh, and you can do that by searching your favorite streaming services like Spotify or iTunes, or you can also check YouTube. Uh, but let's take a look at the words of the first Noel. The first Noel, the angel did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields where they lay keeping their sheep in a cold winter's night that was so deep. They looked up and saw a star shining in the east beyond them far, and to the earth it gave great light and so continued both day and night. And by the light of that same star, three wise men came from country afar to seek for a king was their intent and to follow the star wherever it went. Noel, Noel, born is the king of Israel. This star drew nigh to the northwest, for Bethlehem it took its rest, and there it did both stop and stay right over the place where Jesus lay. Then entered in those wise men three, full reverently upon their knee, and offered there in his presence their gold and their myrrh and their frankincense. Then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord, that has made heaven and earth of naught, and with his blood mankind has bought. Noel, Noel, born is the king of Israel. The song differs quite a bit from the other songs we've examined in that it mainly is meant as a story song, um, as opposed to a very didactic song of teaching us what to do and um, you know, strong theology, that kind of thing. It's, it's really just telling us the historical narrative um, as it's related in the Gospels. It's kind of the song that perhaps a traveling minstrel might sing. Uh, in the past, history was preserved through song because it was easier to remember uh, and on, honestly more entertaining to hear, to hear your history through a song. Uh, but I'd really like to say two things about this song and then we'll get on to it. Is, uh, first, uh, is that the king of Israel is the king of kings and lord of lords. And he's not just a king of a people group long ago. He is the king of Israel. And Israel is not that faraway country in the Middle East. That's, that's not the Israel that we're talking about. The Israel that we're talking about, as we've already said, are those who have been brought near by the blood of the king, King Jesus, which could include people in America, in China, or in modern-day Israel. Secondly, because he created heaven and earth, because uh, God created heaven and earth, from the mere sound of his voice, he created it from nothing. We must sing praises in unity. The church militant, remember we talked about this in episode one, the church militant is the church on earth right now. Every baptized man, woman, boy, and girl is called toward a unity under the banner of the king.
And with that, I will close out the show and play a new version of The First Noel. I won't be producing another podcast until Epiphany, which is on January 6th. And so until then, have a very merry 12 days of Christmas. shepherds in fields where they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep they looked up and saw a star shining in the east beyond them far and to the world it gave grace And so it continued both day and night.
the King.